The Hennessy Report from Keystone Partners, a free-flowing conversation with leaders in the HR community, talking about themselves, the industry, and their work. Brought to you in cooperation with NERA, the Northeast Human Resources Association. Welcome to the Hennessy Report. I'm Dave Hennessy. Today we have part two of our four-part NERA podcast series from the conference. Today's episode is with Doreen Nichols, the Vice President of Talent, Culture, and Organizational Development at Eversource Energy. Our conversation with Doreen starts off in a powerful way. She talks about the adversity she deals with as a young person in her life and how that made her a stronger and more competitive person and really impacted her career. Also, she talks about how Eversource has really shifted from a utility to an energy company and what that means for their business and their mission. Up next on the podcast is Sachin Sani, the Chief Human Resources Officer at Serence, a spinoff of Nuance. And now, our conversation with Doreen Nichols. So here we are live at the NERA 2019 conference doing an on-location, live-recorded podcast of the Hennessy Report. And today's guest is Doreen Nichols, the VP of Talent, Culture, and OD from Eversource. And also, Doreen, you're, another thing that I like about your resume is you're on the board of NERA, just like me. And we, That's right. We joined at the same time. That's right. And we teased Tracy Burns because membership has just gone up and up and up by double digits each year since we've joined. I know she says it's us, but I know there's other reasons, right? I know it's because of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been it's a great organization. What, what do you have to say about the NERA experience? Why is it important to you? So when I was asked to become a board member, I welcomed the opportunity, and for many reasons. The NERA community is very nurturing. They have just-in-time information. You can ask a question, you can feel safe in asking a question. And a little bit of what Tracy had said the other day is that people feel comfortable. They can be their authentic selves if they don't know an answer. Uh, and I really appreciate that there is a place that professionals can go to and network with others, ask the questions, connect with really talented people that are in the HR field. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's a great organization. So proud to be part of it. And Doreen, um, thinking about you now before we talk about Eversource, can you tell us a little about your background and maybe some early life experience as you look back on it now as an inflection point for you that set you on the career path or got you to where you are today and where you're heading? Yeah. So I, I'm a product of the 60s. And my parents moved out to the suburbs. It's actually a farm town in Ashland, Massachusetts. And it was a very interesting experience because my brothers and I were the first African-American family to graduate from Ashland High. And I just remember growing up that I was moved out there in third grade that I, because I was black, you know, an African-American, the kids would make fun of me. I was been spit on. I was called the walking Tootsie Roll. And I wanted to fit in. And my brothers didn't have that issue because they were athletes, they were popular, and I did not belong to any particular group. Wow, that must have been so hard. It, it was hard because I, I just thought, I, I need to fit in. And so how I fit in is I actually took up sports. I became an athlete. And then I actually just did a deep dive into the study. So I was going to be the smartest person in the class so that people would recognize me for my smartness, not for the color of my skin. 
you know, and I, that carried on until I graduated and went off to college. And it was a defining point for me in saying, you know, I did don't you have know to, you were doing that at the time. That I'm really was it planned, or did you, as you look back on it now, do you know you were doing that? I did you not. Were doing that as a it was just to, a survival. To survive and that it was just, but it was. It was to it. survive. Yeah. I just did it, and then it, it was when I became a little bit more of an adult and much more intelligent, <laughs> I guess. Um, that when I was in college, it's like, okay, you don't have to fit in. You can be your own unique self and yeah. make a difference. And so my goal was to make a difference in life. And then I landed in the HR field, and I had that opportunity to. What was shape. your first job? I'm curious, oh, when so, you graduated. Okay, so my first job actually was not in the HR field. I wanted to be a pathologist. Ah. And I was petrified of rats, so I moved into the primate, and I got so attached to the primates, and it was just that from a moral obligation. I knew the research was good, but I really, it was the research, you know, on animals. You just couldn't. And so I couldn't do it. Yeah. So I left the job without a job and signed up with a temp agency and landed an opportunity in HR, wow. and the rest is history. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about Eversource. A lot of us think about NSTAR and Boston Edison, but Eversource has changed a lot over the years. And I was wondering if you could give us just a little update of mm -hmm. the status of the organization. What's your mission? How big is it? You know, who do you serve? So it's so funny because I was working at Tulane University in New Orleans, and I really always wanted to be back up in New England. And I got the call from Eversource, and I didn't know what an Eversource was. You know, I am a National Grid customer, and that's all I knew. And when I the competition, was, I, I, yeah, it is the competition. But the only competition in electric and electricity, but they can't compete against us as it comes to our culture and our people. Ah. So when I met with the recruiter, and just the way she talked about Eversource, about the culture, about people passionate about servicing the customer, keeping the lights on, the gas flowing, and the water flowing, and we're making a difference in the environment. I was hooked, I was sold, and so I interviewed and I was like, oh, I hope I get an offer. <laughs> and so I joined Eversource, we were at 8,000, I have to say they're all family members to me, 8,000 <laughs> employees that make up the Eversource company. And the mission is really to keep the lights on, the gas flowing, and the water flowing, mm. but also making a mark where we are protecting. It's life or death. It I is mean, life or death. Right it, it, it really right? is. Yeah. It is life or death. And, and we're making a difference. We're making a difference clean energy, where our footprint is to you know ensure that we're taking care of the environment. Mm. I told that to the board of directors. I said, I want to be back here, but I love that we have a purpose, and mm. that purpose is to save the environment by keeping the lights on, the water and gas. And that's something that only you can get behind, but all of your employees. Yes. So as you're recruiting talent, you want to see if that resonates with candidates. Also for the younger generation, mm. about protecting the planet. You know, you hear in the news today about global warming and people want to you know, survive and stay on this planet. And so they have an obligation to protect it. And that is one of the attractions that we're mm. making a difference with the environment. That's great. And what's important to you about the values and culture. I think we're starting to get there. You've already mm -hmm. started to talk about the mission, and of course that spills into the values and culture. What's, what's important to you about Eversource's values and culture? Well, we want to create a culture of engagement. We're a culture of uh, customer centricity. We realize that if we have engaged employees, you will have happy customers. Mm. And so that's a value, engagement, culture of customer centricity, that we have a moral obligation, we are, we consider all ideas of our employees. We reward and recognize. We have a social responsibility. Something that's just near and dear to me is that 
I work with all levels of the organization, and that common thread is really keeping our customers happy but keeping those lights on and the gas and the water flowing. Mm. Um, we do it with passion. We don't want the credit. We just want to do our jobs every day and just make a difference. Mm -hmm. And I see that. It's part of our DNA mm -hmm. that makes sense. And mm -hmm. it's really about servicing that customer. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, working together as one team. So even though we've had the many acquisitions, when we think about a customer, we become one team mm. servicing that customer. Mm. And how have you brought those organizations that you've acquired? Well, it hasn't group? been easy. So it's, <laughs> yeah. not, it's not done. It's not done. Right? It's not I mean, done. It's done with the names, but yes, it's done with the names. But we continuously try and make sure that we are one company and so we gather information through the engagement survey mm -hmm. we get out and we train we communicate we have town hall meetings we talk about what it's like to work at Eversource so a potential candidate and saying you know here's how we've evolved over time we are no longer a utility company we are an energy company mm -hmm. and we are always transforming and updating keeping current so that we don't become obsolete mm -hmm. you know when you think about blockbusters who you know oh, yeah. Was, right, know, they've talked about it at the conference here, the, right. the companies that were big brand yeah. names that are gone the, just in a few years. Right, Toys R Us, right. you know, Babies R Us, they are gone. Right. And Amazon's taken that right. whole market, Netflix and the blockbusters or you know, the right. movie industry. And so we are always transforming to make sure that we don't become obsolete. Mm. And going in the direction of energy, because it touches so many areas. You have water, you have electricity, you have wind, and then who knows what else is out there. Mm -hmm. Recyclable clothes, you never know you can use right. that for, for fuel. So, right. But we're always looking at ways to stay ahead of the curve. You mentioned a culture of engagement. Can you describe what that means at Eversource and what it looks like in practice? How do you make sure that happens? What are the things that you and leaders are doing to create this culture of engagement? Yeah. Well, it goes beyond the dollars, the salary, and the benefits. It really is listening to our employees and say what's important to them. So if it's important to that Rewards and recognition is a piece. If it's giving them some really meaningful projects, having them to lead an opportunity, that is what engages employees. And we hear that and we read it from our survey results. And so I look at my team, what's going to motivate them is I bring them into the process. I am not the smartest person in the room and nor do I ever want to be the smartest person in the room. I want people to say, you know, I have this idea, and then I'm open to listening to that idea. I have this motto, sometimes it's good to lead, sometimes it's follow, or sometimes it's just good to sit back and enjoy the ride. <laughs> and I have, these, I have my team does that for me. Ah, so. that's great. How do you define leadership, both you personally and how do you define it at Eversource? Yeah. So, you know, leadership isn't a title, it isn't the name that you have, you know, after your name or, you know, below your name. It isn't tenure or seniority. When I think about leadership is how I influence people or employees to go to that common goal. And so when you have somebody that goes to the left or somebody that goes to the right and they're not staying on track, as a leader, my goal is to bring them back in, not with the two by four, but really looking at how they make a difference to complete that goal or that objective. And so I look at leadership as being open to ideas, listening for understanding, being an ethical leader, and relying on your team because you don't have all the answers. You know, So people bring different perspectives and mm. having a diversity of thought, diversity of just of the physical diversity, mm. experiences actually are meaningful to any organization. Mm -hmm. 
Our leaders at Eversource, they measure themselves always. They measure themselves on executive visibility, they measure themselves on diversity and inclusion, they measure themselves on being brand ambassadors. And How do they measure those things? So as far as the demographics of their organization, mm-hmm. they measure themselves from the engagement score. So the question asks, my manager walks the talk. They uh-huh. do what they say they're going to do. My manager gives me the tools to... And do those managers get specific feedback about themselves, yes. not just general? No, so it's in their organization. So it rolls up, depending on the number of people, it will roll up and they actually see that hard data. Uh-huh. And then they have to come up with action plans to, if it's a best practice, how do you continue? If it's not a best practice, is it something So they're held good? accountable. They are held accountable. To their leadership. To their leadership. Wow, yes. interesting. You wear many hats as an HR leader, as brand ambassador, you're negotiating, you're working on diversity and inclusion, you're acquiring and developing talent. What are your thoughts about ethical leadership? So, you know, we lead by example, and I was in a meeting last week and talking to key talent, and that question came up about being an ethical leader. As I say to my son, I want to be a role model for you. I want to set that example. And you know, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree is that your children or people who admire you, they're going to try to emulate you. And so what I do as I present myself, my actions, my behaviors, people are watching that. And so if you are behaving in a manner that just really goes against the grain of what people think is a person who is ethical, mm-hmm. you've lost credibility. Mm-hmm. In the tough times, people then do things that they shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. I never want to be on the front page that my mother would be reading this and saying, Doreen did X, Y, Z. So this is just something that's really important that you emulate certain behaviors and that you're compliant, that you are right. ethical, and that even in the bad times that you don't stare from that moral obligation. Right, and you said this so much, the role model model there of ethical leadership because people can't be what they can't see, right? Right, right. exactly. And when they're looking up, they're going to emulate that. You know, we had a podcast guest, who I think you know Helen Drynan. She's right now the president of Simmons University, and she said in the podcast something very similar to what you just said. She said, you know, when times get tough in an organization, when there's that existential moment, that's when you need more values-based leadership. That is the time to say, okay, we're going to be a little more flexible in this to get right. through this this is when we need to make sure we're working the hardest at being ethical and being values-based. Yes. The other thing is that when you're working with employees, employees bring their whole selves to work, and so you need to understand the whole person. I look at it that I can't just understand that person from the nine to five, because if something's going on at home, they will bring that to work. So they could have a fight with their child or their spouse, and that plays out in the workplace. They're not themselves, and they're not their authentic selves. And so for me, to motivate and engage my employees is to understand the whole employee, not just that one skill. And I'm curious how you do that, because right here at the conference, my call colleagues, Brenda Stanton and David Brindell from Mm -hmm. Keystone, presented on a topic that employees bring their poker faces to work. Mm -hmm. Because there's so many risks. If you really share what's on your mind, if you really try to be your whole self, there's some risks that are associated with it. Maybe I'll be rejected. Maybe I'll outshine my boss. Maybe there'll be retribution if I say something that's controversial Mm -hmm. or challenge the status quo. First of all, what do you think about that, that poker face thing? That happens a lot in companies, doesn't it? Does it? Help. it does happen a lot because people want to put their best foot forward. They want a person or their leader to see that they can manage through all the minutiae, the tough times, the good times. And, and they want to please, and, too. Yeah, and please and just deliver. Right. And so, But there are days when that just doesn't happen. 
you know so right. something could have been said you hit your head against the the cabinet and it's like okay this is bothering me i can't think or you've had a disagreement with a family member or even a coworker and how that plays out in the workplace we're all emotional we're all human beings at the end of the day right. and people who have feelings and have that emotional intelligence it needs to play out in the workplace right. how do you capitalize on the strengths if there is something going on how do you remove those obstacles right. so that person could be their whole self when they come to work? right and I think that was their whole point is that we, we sometimes hide behind a facade to just get through the day and are we not tapping into all those employees' talents because they're not really sharing their whole self. Yes, you know. right, their so, authentic self. So they have a it. lot to offer when they're being their authentic right. self. So we have to create that trusting environment. Yes. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal about cultural fit and so many organizations are so focused on culture and they want to hire people that fit. And when we do that, sometimes we hire people just like ourselves. Same schools, same neighborhoods, and maybe that's not what they mean by hire for cultural fit. It's more about the mission and values, but I know this happens in organizations, right? They're employee referral, who, they're your friends. Right. They come from the same circles, they went to the same schools, all those things. But you can end up having more of a homogenous culture if you get caught in that trap. So what's your philosophy on this? How do you deal with this at Eversource? So I, I interview every director and above that comes into Eversource. So I'm on the interviewing team. And I don't talk or interview for the skill set because they have the skills. I do. If they made it to your desk, yes, they're qualified. They're right. qualified. So I interview for leadership, personality, and as you call it, a fit. And what I'm looking for is a person who can be flexible, um, and I even asked the question on a scale from one to five, how flexible you are, because things are ever changing. I'm looking for a person that, not just even the physical, like the physical where you have some you know, diversity from a physical standpoint, that's a good thing, but diversity of thought. And how do you measure that? How do you get that? So I'm, I'm, I'm asking the question. So I do situational interviewing uh. to see how a person thinks, how they're formulating their questions. And so I did ask one person about DNI. And he says, well, I'm going to always hire the right candidate. And I said, well, tell me about what that means to you. And so it's really then understanding their perspective. Uh, so are they hiring that Harvard MBA? Or are they hiring the person who did an online course? Which there isn't any difference, as far as I'm concerned, just the name. But you have the ability to learn. So right. that's something that's really important to so you. So you see what their thought and the thinking yeah, their, is. Right? Their thought processes. Yeah, yeah. that's great. We at Keystone deliver the Hennessy Report in cooperation with NERA, and we have always had the NERA YP, for Young Professionals, question of the podcast, but we're rebranded, as Tracy talked about last night at our board meeting. As she says, we don't have to explain to the HR community why we renamed it to the NERA Emerging HR Professionals, which is a much better name. So we're happy to have the Hennessy Report, NERA Emerging HR Professionals, question of the podcast. Oh, there's a guest right here. Hi, my name is Lexi Cantor. I'm the Senior People Operations Associate at Ovia Health in Boston. My question is, um, have you ever received a piece of feedback that really changed your style or approach for your career going forward, even if it was a piece of feedback that you didn't super appreciate at the time and looking back have more appreciation for? So that's a great question, Lexi. You know, it's, it's very interesting. When I joined Staples, 
I had a buddy, we had the buddy system so that they help us maneuver and assimilate into the company. And it's so funny that one of our nearer board members um, was my buddy, her name is Nancy Pearson. And she had given me some advice. And so I am a very direct person. I don't sugarcoat things, but I don't do it in a way that it is um, going to cut people at the knees. However, she observed people's body language when I was giving that direct feedback. And she gave me some feedback about it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And, and how you may want to look at your audience or the person that you're talking to and seeing how they're going to receive the information. So take a moment to really get to understand that person. So if you're giving the feedback, you can do it in a way that they can understand it. So it was just invaluable for me. Uh, the other thing is that she told me that sometimes you have to be the bigger dog. And it is so important. What does that mean? You rise above it. So when a person goes low, you go high. You don't go and stoop to a level that is not who you are. And so it's been great feedback and great commentary and advice that I take with me every single day. And, and advice from another NERA board That's member. Right. Nancy. Nancy Pearson, yes. She's right here. If you could write a letter of advice, professional career, leadership, advice to yourself when you were 25, 30 years old, what would you write to Doreen? Be true to yourself. Do not compromise. You can give and you can do it in a way that is accepting. Know yourself. And the other thing, be open to the feedback, listen for understanding. And if I had known how to manage the political landscape, I think I wouldn't have stepped in it so often. That would be the one that would be the one political, of the, the, the political, political landscape. is like how you maneuver and get what you need out of a situation without necessarily have to kiss up. You know, so it's maneuvering and understand who is who in the organization, who are the movers and the shakers. That's what I would write to myself. Understand who the movers and shakers are, maneuver through that political landscape, and have somebody that will be your mentor and role model so that you don't step in it. They can tell you you're about to step into it. So, ah, so if I had so know who the people are that you can go to in exactly in advance of the situations and just being able to maneuver through that political landscape. I wish I had that knowledge ah. earlier. Well, here's a question you asked of Jane Moyer, our new board member last night, putting her right on the spot as she oh, her first board meeting. <laughs> and, and she has so many unique things about her. Right, and you asked, yes. what's something unique about you that you're mm -hmm. willing to share? Maybe something we wouldn't find in your LinkedIn profile. Yes. Well, there are two things. I'm going to give you two things. So I was three years old, and I had this pink piggy bank, and my brother had this blue piggy bank, and he threw my piggy bank out the window, and I went after the bank. I was following the money, and I fell from a third-story building, and the only thing that saved me was I landed in the mud. There was a <laughs> it woman. It was a lot of mud. <laughs> it, it was, and it rained, and the woman across in the other apartment building saw this, and she came down. She called the fire department, and she brought me back to my mother, and she goes, is this your daughter? She goes, of course that's my daughter, and then she had realized that I had fallen out of the oh window. And so they did three take me to the hospital to make sure that, yeah. you know, I wasn't hurt, but, you know. Three stories. Three stories. Three stories and landing in the mud. That, that broke is, the fall. That you had a softer yeah. landing. Yeah. Still, and I didn't land on my head, that's so that's a good thing. Right, yes, right. Yes, yes, yes. You and, said there was a second thing. Yes, so in high school, I ran track, you know, because I wanted to fit in. And so I held the state record for a year running the 220. It's no longer the 220, it's 200. 200 meters down, yes, right? Yes, yeah. so right. I ran it in 26.6 seconds. Wow, that is unbelievable. And my last question for you, favorite movie? Imitation of Life. It's an old movie. It was actually when they were just transforming into color. And it um, was very interesting because this woman wanted to fit in 
and she spent all her life trying to fit in and just really disregarding and disowning her parents. And when her mom died, she ran to the king and she was crying at the casket, say, I didn't mean to do this, I didn't mean to do this. And so it's just important to, you don't have to necessarily fit in, it's how you maneuver and be true to yourself. You can go with the flow, but you don't have to be in the flow. You can be alongside the flow. Mm. Well, I think it's kind of fitting that we started with fitting in and ended with fitting in and knowing that that's not really the way. Yes. So great, so great to have you as a Thank guest for the podcast. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Hennessy Report from Keystone Partners. Be sure to subscribe to listen to all of our conversations with leaders in HR. Go to keystonepartners.com and click on the podcast button.